You are live. That's what it says. I'm going live now. I had a guest all ready to go, and we were going to talk at 4 o'clock, but he was having some trouble getting on because his browser does not interact with StreamYard, which is the service that I use. So I'm just going to spend some time with you right now, and if he's able to get on, I'll put him on. Very interesting guy, and uh, we'll chat with him. But if not, I'll just do a little talk with you right now solo because, hey, I can wing it. I'm a broadcaster, everybody. <laughs> uh, and then we will um, we'll get to my guest later. By the way, my guest is a guy that I just contacted off of YouTube. He had one YouTube video up there, and he left a comment on one of the videos that I did. And he mentioned in his comment, I'm suing the state of Massachusetts. And so I said, this guy's interesting. I like anybody who sues a state because I'm constantly saying during this whole COVID thing, I hope there are lawsuits. I hope people are suing. I hope restaurants are suing. If I owned a restaurant, I would sue. I mean, if I owned a business that was shut down, I would sue. If I was shut down by this, by these bureaucrats, I would sue them for sure. So I'm hoping that there are a lot of lawsuits in process. I hope there are shutdown lawsuits. I hope there are mask lawsuits. I hope that there are there's pushback all across the board. And I'm talking about federal lawsuits. I'm talking about, you know, uh, suing on constitutional grounds. I'm talking about everything. I mean, I just hope that they they clog the courts with lawsuits. So um, my guest's name was it, it was and is John Bode when he's a guy. He's a He's a lone dude who's suing the state of Massachusetts. He's probably not going to be able to get on. So I will probably just do it through Facebook instead of doing StreamYard. It's probably my fault because I'm using the StreamYard program. It's like, come on. I don't need to be too professional, do I? Uh, I'm hoping there is a lawyer that will help people pro bono because people are broke. That's right, Froggy Styles. Uh, I'm looking at the comments here. This is the reason why I wanted to have the guy on, because if he's out, you know, doing his own thing or he has some kind of Matlock country lawyer, maybe he could, uh, you know, we could get his story out there and then he could get some big law firm behind him. But that, that's why I wanted to talk to him. We will talk to John Bodwin at some point. I'm not worried about it. But what do I want to talk about today? This, this is interesting. I'm going to share my screen here because uh, I, I shared something on my social media posts. Uh, the uh, Christmas Day uprising. I shared it on Twitter. I shared it on Facebook. And all I said was, this This looks interesting. And I got some interesting comments. Raymond Arroyo just uh, posted it. He said, hey, this just came into my inbox. This is interesting. What do you guys think of this? So let's take a look at his um, Twitter feed, if I can show you here. Uh, let's look at that. Yeah, Raymond Arroyo's. I don't need the sound, so there we go. Okay. So Raymond Arroyo, this just landed in my inbox, he says. Um, I'm just looking at it, making sure I got it here. Apparently a group of individuals want to see churches filled this Christmas despite the restrictions of local leaders. Thoughts? And then he puts the website, christmasdayuprising.org. Hashtag Christmas Day Uprising. Okay, Raymond Arroyo's got working the hashtags. 
So it's got 23 retweets. That's good. 119 likes, eight uh, other quote retweets. So uh, I just want to go through the comments here because I think it's very interesting. The people's reaction to this, because obviously I, I don't want to just read the ones that just say, hooray, Raymond, that's great, you know, because people who agree with you, I, I like them. I want everyone to agree with me, but they're less boring than the people who disagree with you. So let's take a look here. Kevin Jones here says Catholics need to commit to appropriate CDC measures and support for over. So this guy obviously doesn't like the idea. The website uh, is Christmas Day Uprising. And you can see down below here, the one line description, the Christmas Day Uprising campaign is calling on all Christians to fill our churches once again on Christmas Day. Our simple protest mirrors the classic uh, civil disobedience of the past. You know, it's basically saying enough with these, there's tape all over the church aisles, but our airplanes are filled. I don't know if you've taken a flight. I've taken about five flights since the uh, shutdowns and everyone's packed into a tiny airplane and uh, they're much smaller than churches. There's much less air in the, in the airplane. And I know they say, oh, we have HEPA filters. You know that nonsense doesn't work. You're all packed in an airplane. Most churches are the si size of an airplane hangar and they're limited to one quarter. I think it is an embarrassment that the archdiocese, I mean, this is a, a Catholic project here, this thing, but we're saying Christians here because we want everyone to get involved in this. The, uh, I think it's an embarrassment that the bishops and the uh, archdiocese are knuckling under to bureaucrats. Yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, opinion pages, Matthew Hennessy wrote an opinion. He called the bureaucrats, he said that the bishops were knuckling under, they were kneeling before junior varsity Caesars. That is good. That is good. I wish I put that on this website. Oh, not that I'm, I'm not admitting that I have anything to do with this website. I'm saying the guys who created this website, they should have, uh, they should have put that on there. All right, here we go. Let's look at the comments. Kevin Jones, Catholics need to commit to appropriate CDC measures and support this for overburdened medical personnel. I mean, that is a canard there with the support for overburdened medical personnel. I mean, that has nothing to do with anything. The whole point of this thing is that we are saying the, uh, the so-called CDC measures aren't even CDC measures. These are uh, state measures. The states make these rules about capacity. And so they arbitrarily say restaurants at 30% capacity, churches at 25% capacity, airlines can be full. And uh, so the whole point of this thing is saying it is a church at 50%, 60%, 75%, or 100% filled pews is safer than an airplane. Not just because... Uh, and it's painfully obvious that that is the case. And it's not just because, uh, you know, we're talking just that the airplane, when you go, when you travel, you are traveling through many different crowds of people, whether it's you, you're getting on either pub public transportation to get to the airport or you're getting in a Uber. Then you get to the crowded airport. You go through one crowd of people out in the outer airport. You go through security. It's a different crowd of people. Then you go to some other venue within the airport because you got there so early because everyone's lunatic over COVID. So you get the airport 
four hours early and you probably go to the uh, 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 restaurant in the airport, everyone's got their masks off in the restaurant because you can't wear a mask when you eat, although some people try to recommend that you do that. And then you go to your, uh, the, what do you call it? It's not the takeoff area. It's the, your gate. Then you go to your gate and there's another crowd of people. And then you crowd in to get into your plane. Then you go on to the, uh, the, the gangplank, that, that tube with no windows and everyone's in there breathing on each other. And then you get on the airplane, then you get off the airplane and you're in a different city in a different crowded airport. And then you go to a hotel. I mean, travel is Definitely more risky than church, okay? So Kevin Jones, we need to follow the CDC. Shut your mouth. And then he goes on this other one, Kevin Jones. Keep in mind that foolish rebellion against public health measures in an epidemic risks empowering the enemies of religious freedom. You're an enemy of religious freedom, Kevin Jones. You are, okay? So he's saying that uh, if unless we knuckle under to these ridiculous restrictions, you give enemies of religious freedom. This is the whole point is you stand up to them, Kevin. You don't knuckle under and say, I just hope they give us, I hope they allow us 28% capacity. I hope they allow us 30% someday. You are an enemy of religious freedom, you coward. Okay, fill the churches on Christmas and the ICUs by New Year's. That's funny, Brian Fenga. <laughs> the whole point of this is that the restaurant across the street from the church is packed, guys. It's filled. And if if that restaurant's not filled because it's only at 50% capacity or 60%, whatever the hell they're allowing restaurants now, I think they're closed this week because they're all hysterical. Uh, the backyard uh, patio is packed full of people. And have you ever been to the outdoor dining and they have the little heat lamps and things like that? Everybody's in each other's faces on these things. And if the restaurants are closed because... Brian Fraga with his funny thing about the ICUs filled by New Year's. Um, when they close the restaurants, guys, every single one of these restrictions is stupid and has what's called unintended consequences. I don't think they're that unintended. They close the restaurants and then people get together and they have backyard parties. You've seen it. Why is everyone getting together and having backyard parties and now that it's cold, they're having indoor parties because they can't go out because people are going to socialize. You cannot stop them from doing that. Okay. And you can yell at them all you want and say, hey, you know, ICUs will be filled by New Year's. Shut up. It's not going to work, Brian. Everyone is going to be doing things that are more risky than taking their minivan with their family, going to church. A church is a very big thing. I mean, it's amazing when you get into a panic, which people are in, we are in a state of panic in this country. Uh, they just don't. Oh, the guy's here. John's here. I'm going to just bring him in and tell him. Uh, that's his name here. Let's bring him in. Hey, John. Hey, how are you, Tom? Good. You figured this out. I was just doing a monologue and then I realized I left you sitting here. So I'm glad you got your uh, your browser in. I'm going to finish up with this little presentation. You can listen to me, and then I'll introduce you, and we'll start talking. Sounds good. All right. This is good, man. So we are uh, back to Raymond Arroyo's tweet uh, about filling our churches and all of the nonsense that uh, uh, people are saying. If the person is compromised, they should stay home. That's right, Sylvia. I agree with you. This is the whole idea, is that if 
instead of knuckling under to these uh, restrictions and having 25% capacity in a church, your local um, bishop should say, let's have um, a mass uh, on TV for the compromised people. They can stay home and watch it on, and they, you know, they've encouraged people. Anybody who is immunocompromised or they are in a, an age group that they're, they're so old that they have a, a COVID risk because that's the people who have COVID risk is the, the oldest among us. Uh, they should, they could stay home and they can watch the mass on TV or they could have one mass and they could say, oh, this is the fragile mass. And so our, the, our fragilist, our most fragile citizens can come to that. And then they can say, look, the 11 o'clock mass is a family mass and we're going to pack the, uh, the, uh, I keep saying aisles. We're going to pack the pews. Okay, here we go. Uh, what does Dave say? It would never happen, but I'd like to see separate masses for those more vulnerable. Hey, thanks, Dave. You got my idea. Really good idea, says Lisa. Good, but I don't care about people who agree with me, even though I love you, Lisa. I care about the, the dummies who disagree with me because that's what makes broadcasting interesting. Why would anyone support something so dangerous, says Father Tom Washburn? Here we go. These are the priests we have to deal with. And look, Father Washburn, he's got a mask on in his picture. If someone's got a mask on in their picture... It's like, I don't even want to, <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you. If you went and took a picture with your mask on, it says you are fully in the cult. So potentially deadly. Follow the CD, follow your bishop's guidelines. We can all go to mass on Christmas safely, but not by storming churches. I like how the way you said storming churches, Father. We didn't say storming churches. We said we're going to exceed the dumb 25% capacity. But if you want to knuckle under in your parish, be my guest. Okay, these things go on and on. I'm just surprised. There are so many people that are members of the, uh, of the cult, I would hope that church-going people, we've got a cult of our own. We don't need an extra one, right, guys? Okay, let's uh, stop sharing the screen. We'll get to my guest. John Bodwin, welcome to the show. Look, you're all professional. You got your broadcasting uh, cans on, as we say in the business. Welcome. Thank you very much. They're actually my son's uh, video game Xbox headphones. Oh, it's great, man. <laughs> you look like, uh, you know, a pilot. You're, you're ready to fly. So uh, you're a fellow dude from Massachusetts. I was interested in your story because, oddly enough, this is the way we do things in, uh, in the Tom Shalhoub universe. You left a comment on a little watched video that I had uh, left on YouTube. And I said, what? This guy is suing the state of Massachusetts because you mentioned in your comment, look, I'm suing Massachusetts. And I said, uh, I, I got to talk to him. So I dialed you up. Uh, we uh, we got this thing going. So thanks for being here. What I want to do is because I talked to you on the phone, full disclosure. Sometimes I like to do this live raw and just, you know, completely unprepared. But you you said to me, I'm not a professional broadcaster. Give me a call so you can, you know, give me the lowdown. And I told you this is what I want to do. I'm going to start with the lawsuit, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, how do you do it? How do you sue a state? And then after we describe the lawsuit and what you're up against, then I want to go to your personal story, which you did start to mention to me on the phone, and it's a compelling personal story. Uh, but let's start with the lawsuit, okay? You're suing okay. Massachusetts. How do you sue a state? Um, well, I went online, and I looked at how somebody else sued a state that had an actual lawyer with, uh, with, with a guy who knows what he's doing. And I basically copied what he did. <laughs> so you sue the governor in his official capacity or you sue the um, you could add the uh, the health department uh, czar. I forget her name, uh, but I sued the governor. And so the attorney general was then respond. Um, so it's basically four hundred dollars and you do the right paperwork and you follow all the rules and you read a lot of stuff and you follow all the service of process procedures, um, get all your documentation right. 
and then you drive over to the um, federal courthouse and you put on a mask in order to walk in the building mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, you, you, you file it there. So to be clear, your suit is about masks. Specifically, you are suing because most of these states, when they pass these mask ordinances, they said everyone has to wear a mask uh, indoors. And then they said, oh, they have to wear it outdoors too. And then you have to wear it in your house and in your car and all this stuff. So they, at the very beginning, they said, but they're, for those who are unable to wear a mask because of medical reasons, they have an out. But it never seemed that out never came to fruition because it was never really defined what these conditions were. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. People are going to yell at you when you walk into Walmart without a mask on. So it's de facto, everyone has to wear a mask. You said, gosh darn it, I have an exemption and I'm going to uh, push for that exemption. What's your exemption? Well, so what you said is correct. If you have a medical condition, all you have to do is say, this is the old order, COVID order 31 in Massachusetts. Um, all you have to do is say medical condition. Not only that, but the, some, the other person is not allowed to ask you what that condition is. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to just accept it at face value. The problem is that private businesses can make their own rules. So yeah. you can walk around in public without a mask. So my, my exemption uh, came about as a result of my lawsuit. So when I sued them, <clears throat> um, one of the injuries, in fact, was a, um, an affront to my freedom of speech. Uh, but the way I characterized freedom of speech is it, it's a bidirectional. It's, I'm an engineer, right? So it's, it's duplex. It's, a, it's not a um, simplex function. It's duplex. Or it's not a half duplex. It's duplex, meaning I receive communication as well as I give communication. You can hear me. That's freedom of speech. You have the freedom yeah. to hear my speech. It's not just that I have the freedom to speak freely. So I have the freedom to receive speech. So I sued on the basis that being half deaf or deaf in one ear, um, I usually have to see people's mouths. I have to see people. I got to start looking at the camera. I'm not used to this. So I have to see people's mouths when uh, when they speak. Uh, it really helps me a lot in hearing. With masks on, I can't see their mouths. And I keep saying, what? Pardon me? Pardon me? Excuse me? Yeah. And I have to ask them five times. So my, uh, you know, it's not unique, but in my lawsuit, it's unique in that I'm complaining or uh, I filled out the complaint that I'm, I'm harmed and injured in my freedom of speech and that I can't receive speech communications from others because they are ordered to wear masks. Right. So you actually are, because you're both masked, it's you have problems, you know, you're muffled, they're muffled. And then as I, I spoke with a guy named Mark Changizi last week, and we talked about all the different uh, harms that come from masks and dangers, uh, including falls, slips and falls, because the masks cover your field of vision as well as as your mouth. <clears throat> People don't realize how much peripheral vision is blocked by a mask. And also the idea that I, I didn't even know what this was called, but it's that phenomenon of people leaning in when they, whether they're at Home Depot or whether they're at the deli counter, when they, yeah. when, when you're both masked up, People say, I need a pound of boar's head ham. And then they say, what? And they lean in. Now, I imagine you with the, with the ear. It's like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. He leans in. It's my bad ear. Right? Yeah. Come on, Mr. Exactly. Gower. That's my bad ear. So you want to lean in. And that's essentially, if we're talking about COVID germs, you're putting yourself in danger because of the mask. If there was a danger, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to talk about particulates per million in a given volume of air and how it moves, that's another conversation. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I went to order a pizza and uh, I told him what I wanted. No, he he asked me a question. I forget what it was. But anyway, I said, pardon me. Pardon me. 
pardon me, the fourth time he takes his hand, takes his mask off, tells yeah. me, puts it back, then he go gets the pizza with the same hands. Yeah. Okay, hands-to-face contact is the number one transmission vector that nobody talks about. Yes, so everyone's pulling their masks. Everyone has different masks on. We now know that the masks that are most popular, like bandanas and uh, these other mufflers, uh, are absolutely useless. They're all um, useless. Not that they, yeah, they're all, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is that in the end, as I said when I called you on the phone, I hope you win your lawsuit, but it is a very narrow one. Your lawsuit would help people who are impaired because if you, uh, I assume if you win it, your exemption goes through and oh, it. Oh, no, hold on. Hold yeah. on. I'm sorry to interrupt, but my exemption is already in that. See, it's already reason, in. so he, re, he rescinded COVID order 31 and he put in COVID order 55 in specific response to my lawsuit in order to try to remove my standing, in order to try to move, remove my injury. In fact, when I lose my standing, then they don't have to try the case. They try to get it dismissed on a, uh, so motion to dismiss based on uh, uh, 12B6, which is um, failure to state a claim, la lack of standing. Because, so, so 55 says it, it has a hearing impaired has, uh, clause in it? Yes. So why isn't he gonna dismiss it? I would think the judge is gonna say, oh, this doesn't apply to you, dismissed. How do you, well, how do you get him to not dismiss? How do I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I they, they have to respond by December 21st. Uh -huh. depending on what they write in their new dismissal, because I had to amend my complaint to reflect the new COVID order 55. So they allowed me to amend, the court allowed me to amend the complaint. And now they have to give another motion to dismiss. And I, they have to give that to me, the AG's office by uh, December 20th. I just gave them an extension, December 21st. And so when I read what they write in that, then I will formulate my strategy on how to get around whatever new uh, standing removal they're trying to pull on me. But I already have an idea of uh, agency law and notification um, in terms of uh, if somebody is across the street and says, hey, John, watch out for the bus, and I'm looking at him, I can't tell what he's saying because I can't see his mouth. I step yeah. in front of the bus. I, could, I don't have time to give notification to everybody that I'm going to meet. Hey, I'm, I'm deaf in one ear. You don't have to wear your mask so that I can hear you so that we can converse so that my freedom of speech won't be abridged. So they think they're getting around it, but I, I believe I still have a strong case uh, with regard to notification not being given in every given conversation all through the day of people I meet. Yeah. Makes sense? It makes perfect sense. And so I, I would love to see this. Do you know of how many people are suing around the country? Because like I said, I see you on YouTube and you're like, I'm suing Massachusetts. And I say to myself, I hope everyone is suing everyone. And I don't know how many lawsuits are out there. Well, I only know, um, I knew somebody that was clerking. Uh, I don't want to say people, but uh, they said that there were over a thousand lawsuits back in June mm -hmm. that they were dealing with. And uh, and that was just one like circuit court. There's all over the country, there are thousands and thousands of uh, federal court lawsuits. I sued in federal court to get around Massachusetts because if I sue in a Massachusetts court, it's Massachusetts. <laughs> if, yeah. if, you, if you grew up here, you know what I mean. It wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, I would have to go up to the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts and then hope that um, the Supreme Court would take it after that. But once you're in the federal court system, you have, you have a different chance, different odds, different judges uh, that I personally think, I don't know, I like it better. I don't yeah. want to say anything bad. I'm looking at the comments here on Facebook. Ted Cassiotis says, uh, he's, he's leaving a comment and I say, I feel like I've seen this comment before. He says, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. 
when you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask can make people feel a little bit better. It might even block a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. And then there's unintended consequences, people fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. That's Dr. Fauci who said that. We have all heard that quote from March 8th. And then he says, and often the unintended consequences, the fiddling with the mask, just what you said. But now, uh, you know, when you if you mention that, people yell at you and say, uh, you know, you're a science denier. Well, the uh, Lord Fauci, the sainted Dr. Fauci said it on March 8th and he said it. And within a week, he had changed his mind. And then that quote just went away. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, with, I don't know if I should talk about Dr. Fauci or. The, no, we uh, can't get into Fauci because the thing is, <laughs> we'll go down that rabbit hole because we could do a whole show on the contradictions of Fauci and how, you know, someone who obviously knows a lot about infectious disease. It doesn't mean he knows other things. Like he doesn't, he's not an expert in public policy and he's not an expert in shutdowns because they've never been done. So these people who are such experts and people say, follow the science, they're doing things now that have never been done. So you can't say follow the science when there is no science. And well, once the, the breath leaves the mouth, okay, it's outside the purview of Dr. Fauci's expertise. It's a physics problem. It's a computational fluid dynamic simulation that you would do. I mean, I could, I could tell somebody how to do it if I had all the equipment and the people. Uh, you take a LIDAR image of a, a mask, one ply, and then you take a LIDAR image of the face. You fit the two uh, together in a computer simulation. You provide a source behind the, uh, the mask uh, to, to simulate breath. And then you run a bunch of variables, uh, the porosity of the mask and um, the volume of the breath and everything else. And, and the simulation will come out with Where's all that air going? But for 10 seconds, you could watch a video on YouTube of somebody vaping with a mask on. You'll see where all that air yeah, goes. They've seen, I've seen the videos where they show the people vaping with their all different kinds of masks, and, you, yeah. uh, and they show it in slow motion, everything like that. Now, what happens is whenever you mention this kind of thing, I'm sure half the comments that we're going to get on this video are people saying, how dare you? You guys don't believe in science, everything like that. But the funny thing is, whenever I talk to someone directly, I always say, and I wish I had Dr. Fauci here, because I would say, I know you say that there is now, that, you know, that was then and this is now, and we now have overwhelming evidence. I always ask people, give me your best three, because I've looked at every mask study. Uh, the Wall Street Journal did a whole rundown of the, the top 15 studies, and they're all bad. They're, they're not scientific. They're not impressive, even to a guy like me who, you know, I don't have any advanced degrees. I don't have any scientific degrees. And I can tell you, there is not one study that shows the effectiveness of masks. And there are about 40 that show that they are not effective. Uh, almost all of the 40, I think 38 out of those 40, all happened before the COVID outbreak. Uh, but there are a couple of major studies that have been really suppressed that show that masks do not work. Uh, and that we're talking about real studies with the double blind, the, the uh, control group studies that, you know, the big Dutch study. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Uh, is it Danish or Dutch? Or Danish. Sorry. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I, think I know. Danish. I know the study. They, they only studied one direction. They didn't study the um, infecting others. They, they if you read the study and they, what they came out with was the mask didn't do anything pr to protect the wearer. Yes. And they did not study at all protecting the other person from the wearer. Yes, that's true. So, so that made me think when I finished the study. 
I read it and I said, and then they mentioned, well, we didn't go the other direction. I said, oh, well, that's great because I don't have COVID. So <laughs> since I don't have COVID, I'm good. <laughs> the, the whole thing is crazy. I mean, you've got people studying it from all these medical perspectives, biology, virologists, epidemiologists, and they don't know what they're doing. It is a fluid dynamic study. You need a physicist and it's not that hard. Uh, you know, I was in semiconductors for over 30 years. I've talked to guys who've done uh, research in semiconductor design. Everything is down at the nanometer level. They're looking at angstroms. I mean, they're, they're, it's very impressive what they've done. They could do this in a week. They could do this study. But nobody's asking them to do it. Um, all the medical people have taken over, and uh, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, if you look at Dr. Don Milton, who went to the White House and conferred with them with regard to mask efficacy, he created the machine called the Gesundheit 2 machine at the University of Maryland, um, 2018. Mm -hmm. And Taiwan did a study with him. And uh, it, they, it's a traffic cone, roughly. I mean, it, it takes the entirety of your breath and funnels it down to a two-inch pipe and then tests for, for virus. Um, so at the end of his study, he concluded that it, it doesn't necessarily meet real world conditions. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. You, you don't walk up to somebody 18 inches away from them, funnel the entirety of your breath into their mouth for 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, how good is that study? I mean, it's useless. It has no bearing in the real world at all. Um, but the, you're right, there are no studies. I've read almost all of them. Uh, there's nothing out there. And the reason is, the reason that there is no study to prove mask efficacy is because they don't work. They don't work. When I say that, I say the uh, universal masking. When it, people always, I need to correct myself when I say a mask can work in a certain situation. Universal masking is, is what doesn't work. Telling everyone they have to walk around in a mask is a complete yeah. failure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a surgeon can wear a mask for a specific purpose. Uh, obviously, people can wear masks. Uh, you know, uh, uh, divers have to wear masks. Masks work in certain environments. Universal masking is the is the major failure. So, the uh, where's the lawsuit? What's what's going to happen with it? Well, um, I hope I pass the first hurdle, which is their motion to dismiss that comes on the twenty first. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, if I do pass that hurdle um, after my opposition memorandum to their motion to dismiss, then we. I guess go to court. We go to discovery, and uh, I don't know how long long that will last. Um, I have plenty of information. It would only take me a few, a couple of weeks to pull it together, depending on which direction. You know, you you, you can't strategize for the whole case because it could go in different directions, right? Are you so going I, alone? Do you got a uh, do you got a matlock with you, or what's going on? I'm alone. You're Just alone. Me. This is great. So, I'm I mean, alone. do you want to have? Would you like one of these big, uh, you know, freedom? freedom fighting law firms to work with you or you kind of just want to do this on your own? Uh, I'll take any help I can get. Yeah, uh, really. You know, I, I did, I contacted a few of them. Um, you know, just the big ones that I know of and, and I did not get a response. I got a couple of negative responses, but most of them just didn't respond at all. I think everybody's busy doing their own thing. And <laughs> I'm sure everyone yeah. is. It definitely got a full docket. Uh, and the lawyers definitely do. I mean, come on, this is, COVID has been a boon for lawyers. Every company's got their uh, yeah. law firm making all the restrictions. And then, you know, uh, <clears throat> then you got the consulting firms coming in with the, because everyone's afraid. So it's kind of risk management. And that's why all these ridiculous rules come in, because they say, I know there's no proof, but there's no not proof. So let's, you know, let's just be safe and do it this way. Um, 
So yeah, who's making money? The plexiglass sellers are making a lot of money. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> How about the, you know, the, cause the masks obviously ridiculous, but then they have the, the shields and now they have like a, a, oh, a plexiglass mask. So you can, you know, wear your own little Petri dish. Um, so do you want to do the personal story? I don't, I didn't mean to say that, that we're definitely going to talk about that, but you hit me with your personal tale and I thought it was compelling. So, I mean, we can do that if you want. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do let's do it, John. Tell me three years ago, what happened? Um, so, I mean, I raised three boys on my own mm -hmm. and, uh, see if I get through this. My son, um, turned 20 a couple of years ago, two and a half, almost, you know, two and a half years ago. He bought a motorcycle and uh, that didn't go well. So uh, he crashed and died. And um, just, I haven't worked in a few years now, sat on the couch for a couple of years, pretty depressed. Uh, COVID comes around. I got my other two other sons. Uh, one's a senior in high school now. Last year, he was a junior in the spring when COVID hit. Yep. So uh, <clears throat> my other one, uh, the older one is, is, uh, is also at home. So the three of us, pretty down. You know, they lost their brother. Yep. So COVID hits, and my son, the middle one, uh, starts saying all these conspiracy theories seen on the web. And like Charlie, knock it off. This is real. You got to take this serious. You know, yep. and uh, this is serious. And and I start looking at more stuff, and then I get upset. And I'm like, you know, I got to prove this kid wrong. I got to show them that it's important. We got to stay healthy. You got to take care of people, society. You know, this is a big thing. And the more I looked into it and dug into it, I, I mean, I looked at the State Department of Health uh, from Massachusetts. I did the um, the best at the time. Uh, the best data was coming out of New York City Public Health Department because they had the biggest outbreak, the largest population. And if you looked at any demographic data with regard to COVID and cross-correlate uh, various um uh, you know, all the variables, whether it's uh, race, age, everything, underlying conditions. New York City at the time in April was the best source of data. So I, I got their public health data and you can download the raw data. So I downloaded it into a spreadsheet. I do some math operations on it. And everything I did proved my son right. It didn't prove him wrong. So then I started getting upset. What are we doing here? And then the masks uh, came out. And being an engineer, I'm an electrical engineer, not a not a mechanic, but I know engineering, I know physics, and I know it's wrong. And so um, I created, I started writing papers. I wrote maybe 11, I think I posted six or seven, and I wanted to create a website. And then I sued the governor. And so I wanted to create a website like to put my, my lawsuit and my, um, my papers on. So I wanted to be about, about bringing truth and light to the situation. So I, I looked up, uh, I know a little Latin, you know, taking Spanish and then being Catholic and all. Yeah. So I looked up Veritas Lux. That website was taken. Vera Lux, Vera Lux, Vera Lux, all taken. So Vera Lux, isn't that uh, contact lenses or something? I don't <laughs> I know, maybe. But yeah, I, Vera, I feel like I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it means truth and light. So, um, so I, I looked, I Googled uh, truth, light, and it came up with Google showed me the way, the truth and the life. And I'm, I'm not that, I say I'm Catholic, but you know, I don't even go to church and uh, I do believe in God now. Uh, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll find out why in a minute. Um, so Google came back with way, truth and life. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, the way you do something is via. So 
and then truth and, and I know life is Vita in Spanish, it's Vita in, in, in Latin. So I looked up uh, Via Veritas Vita, that was taken. Via Verum Vita, that's singular truth, Verum. And then I, okay, that, Via Vera Vita, my last choice. There it was. I got it. That's my website. Via, via Vera, Vera Vita. There it via, is. Via Vera Vita. Via, via, via oh, Vera Vita. It. Yeah, you got it. Good job. So it's it's the way, and then that's plural for truth in the middle, because that's all I could get. And then life. Uh -huh. So there I go. I got a website. Um, my son's friends from high school were going to come over for the second anniversary of his death. <clears throat> And one of them is uh, pretty religious. And I got, I, I told him my website, I texted it to him. And then, so he texted me back um, something and I, and I thought, I'm pretty embarrassed. I don't know where that's from. Via Vera Vita. You know, my son, John, was born on the, uh, <clears throat> the 14th day of June. So the 14th day of the sixth month. And um, I, was at a, I was at a red light and uh, I just, it was, it was bugging me. And so I real quickly, I picked up my phone and I Googled um, Bible way, truth, life. It, it's, it's John chapter 14, verse six. John chapter 14, verse six, your son, I, John birthday, six, 14. Yeah. And, and so I started crying in the car and I put down the phone cause the light turned green. And the radio came back into my consciousness. I wasn't really paying attention to as if the name, chapter, and verse weren't enough for a, a website that wasn't even my first choice that I was steered to by fate. The first words I heard on the radio were a uh, sweet child of mine. Axel Rose. I, I mean, I don't even know what to tell anybody, um, but I knew at that moment something had happened. And uh, I had to pursue this. And then I started thinking about all the kids and, and kids, not just kids, everybody. Okay. Accidents happen all the time throughout the country. I mean, you look, I've been looking at all the deaths of, of all different types because I need to use controls when I do experiments on data, you need a control group. So I look at all deaths. Um, I went back, you know, 2014 to present past seven or eight years all deaths in a certain range to see if COVID actually did take more a population adjusted. So in thinking about all the deaths, we have kids, my son died at 20. If he had spent the last year of his life locked in a house, not being able to go to the gym, wearing a mask wherever he goes, what a horrible life. That would have been one twentieth of his life. I mean, we got kids that are Kids are getting in car accidents. Uh, adults are getting in car accidents. This is life. You only have so much time on this planet. And to do this to people when some people are going to die by accident within the next year. And to have this be the last year on Earth, this is horrible what we're doing to people. And you know if what, that's so interesting because I've said, I keep making the point that so many of these people, I said it on uh, uh, Fox News Radio, I did a commentary, and I said, for so many people, this is going to be their last Thanksgiving. I was talking about the oldies. I was talking about the, your 80-year-old grandmother, your 79-year-old uh, uncle. And I said, for a lot of them, it's going to be their last holiday season. If you asked them, <clears throat> would you rather be uh, holed up in your 
one bedroom apartment or your retirement home or wherever you live, or would you rather spend your last knowing it's your last because, you know, they don't know it's their last. But if you ask them, look, if this was going to be your last Thanksgiving, would you spend it with your family? Most of the old people would say, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm going to want to speak for them. But I think a lot of them would say I would spend it with my family. I would take whatever risk that is. I'd make sure my family wasn't, you know, sick with COVID. I'd say, is anybody sick? Okay, I'm coming over, you know. So, but your point is, I, I think even, it's something I hadn't thought of. There are people out there, there are young people for whom it's their last. And they're going to spend their last year, uh, you know, for, you know, forget about just the, the shutdown, the masks, the economic hardship. I mean, people are losing their jobs. So, uh, and then you have all the young people for whom it's not their last year, but it is their year. I want you to think back, John, to your. Uh, My son's you know, senior year is right now. He's okay. in his senior year of high school. Think of your senior year. Think of the prom. Think of the, the high school show. Think of all these things. It was such a rich time in my life. We're not taking a year out of their life. We're taking away senior year. That's like that that counts for more than a you know a series of months. That is your heyday. We're taking the heyday away. Yep. Yep. And it, it just it kills me when I walk the dog at the school. Um and I see these kids on the soccer field, eight, nine, 10 years old, they all have masks on. We're teaching the kids to be afraid of what they cannot see, that they cannot touch, and what cannot hurt them. Because 10,000 plus deaths in Massachusetts, you know how many died that are under 25? Zero. Not one. Not one single death under 25 in Massachusetts, over 10,000 deaths. I think it's over 11,000 now. Only 63 people. Now, my data is probably a week or two. It's been a while since I looked at it. A while yeah. is two weeks for me. Um, 63 people under the age of 45 out of over 10,000 people. I mean, it's just not what they say it is. And as far as old people dying, the reason old people die is, is because they have a higher probability of having underlying conditions. It's not that they're old. Um, an older person over 80 years old without health conditions has less of a chance than somebody 45 or even 35 with diabetes. Yeah. Diabetes, is a, it's a, it's a big one. Um, I, I've cross tabulated the data to obesity in various countries. I've looked at temperature variations, high and low. <clears throat> uh, I've tracked the entire year, year long, uh, temperature versus COVID daily deaths and time shifted by 14 days because it takes a while to get it and then die. I've looked at La Paz, Bolivia at 10,000 feet, looked at their average daily temperatures, which pretty much swings from 30 to 60 all year long. But why did they have a big bump in the middle? Well, it got really dry. They have a three-month humidity. So all these things that people don't look at, the data correlates perfectly to climate. And masks and lockdowns do absolutely nothing. They have strict lockdowns in Europe. Look at their second wave. They're getting killed. Uh, France, Italy, Spain, UK, Belgium all had a terrible second wave of deaths, not cases. Cases are just a waste of time to even talk about. And the reason why they had a second wave of deaths that were pretty bad in Europe is because they hadn't saturated their, their societies with COVID yet. Uh, it came to them a little bit later than it did New England. The reason why New England's second wave isn't bad as far as death is because we've already hit the, uh, we're at like 0.15%. Uh, New Jersey and New York are approaching 0.2%. So there's not a lot of people who would be susceptible to death that are going to die. 
uh, you know, you got your antibody herd immunity, you got your T cells on top of that, and then you got, you know, what are the probability you're going to run into somebody who hasn't already had it yet? Um, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, but that's true. I mean, that's what's so ironic or so weird or so crazy or so dumb about all of the states that were hit. Connecticut, New York, New York and New Jersey, ridiculous. I mean, the the the, the way that New York and New Jersey got whacked, uh, they got most of their herd immunity a long time ago. And they have they still have the cases going crazy because of that ridiculous PCR test. But the deaths hospitalizations they're down all across the northeast yep. um but you know that's the that is the uh you know we could do another show just on that stuff we could do a show on fauci we could do a show on the hypocrisy we could do a show just on masks we could do one on shutdowns um yeah. and Somebody, that's what happens when you when we're living through a panic uh the, the panic spreads through so many different facets so i mean i hope you do great with your uh your lawsuit you should Thank call you. court tv because we should get it on tv i think that'd be a great uh hey if anybody like you said if, if i want help i definitely want help if there are any organizations out there that want to contact me absolutely um i'll take some professional help i don't know what i'm doing i'm not a lawyer uh, i'm up against four professionals I know you used to say that john i don't want the, the you know the court of massachusetts to see this they'll be like this guy doesn't know what he's doing he admitted it Oh, they know it. They know it. <laughs> they, I got four attorneys general, uh, assistant attorneys general, uh, mostly two that I talk to now, but four have been involved that I've known uh, yeah. in through email or phone calls, uh, a conference call with them. I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm trying my best here. I'm trying to learn the law at the same time as file the lawsuit and, and go through it. So, you know, if somebody wants to help me, pro bono. I'll take it. We'll do I'm it. I'll call, you know, I'll, I'll call anyone I know. Uh, we got who? <laughs> Maybe uh, Judge Janine. I'll call her. Judge Judy. Yeah. You know, we'll get all the judges on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, it was great talking to you. I'm glad you did it. It was very last minute. I just, I mean, what did, did I email you this morning or last night or something when I saw your thing? Uh, well, thank you, sir. Yeah. So it's great talking to you. I'm from Norwood. You're from, is it Medford or Medfield? Well, I grew up in Connecticut, let me say that. So I'm, yeah, not, okay. a, I'm not a Massachusetts guy, but um, yeah. I am in Medfield, only two towns from Norwood. Medfield, nice uh, town. Well, I'm sorry, let me translate for you. Norwood. Yeah, Norwood. <laughs> so if I get back, you know, maybe we can, uh, if is, uh, I'm sure, I'm hoping Lewis's is open in Norwood. I would go there, have a burger with you, have a beer, anytime. We'll do it. Let me we'll know. hit Lewis's. All right. Sounds good. John, Thank thanks you, John. for talking to us, and maybe we'll do a follow-up after you get into the courtroom. Thank you, sir. Have a All good right. day. Talk okay. to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.